When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I want to thank you so much for joining us today on the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In this episode, I've got some warnings for you about investing pools. This is so a thing and it's blowing up on people and we got to talk about this where it's pitched as a superior return that's safer than normal investing and it's just blowing your money apart also later netflix really cracking down on you about sharing accounts others increasing services i got some advice for you moving forward about how to protect your wallet with all this streaming stuff. Right now, I want to talk about something that's been all the rage, and that is investment pools that don't have normal disclosure to you. Uh, They're called dark money funds, is one term used for them. Uh, There are SPACs, which are um, special purpose acquisition companies, I think is what SPAC stands for. And then you've got all these real estate uh, crowdfunding kind of groups. And it sounds wonderful. All these things, the idea is you're following a promoter, not a specific business that is known and has a proven track record not something that's publicly traded. These things are turning out to be great for the promoters and terrible for the investors. A new investigative report from the Wall Street Journal found that people who invest in these SPACs are only making their organizers rich. The organizers, by the account of the Wall Street Journal, have been able to promote a company, run the value up to unknowing investors, sell off once the value's risen, and run off with the investor's money to the tune of $22 billion, $22 billion taken from people who are just trying to get a return on their money and instead end up with their money put through the shredder. And then you got all these real estate groups that don't do normal disclosure and say, this is your opportunity to own real estate without having to manage it. Just give us money and we'll handle it. And now what's happening? One after another after another, those things are going insolvent. And in the best case scenario, you had to pay huge fees up front to go in these crowdsource real estate groups. They don't do, they're not required under the law to do real disclosure to you. Again, in the best case scenario, you just paid a lot of upfront fees. In a mid-case scenario, 
you had a need for the funds you put into them, but they're not liquid. You couldn't get to your funds till they tell you you could. And in the worst case scenario, they go insolvent and your money's gone. It is the same tune over and over again that when the promoters see an opportunity to promote an investment to you that somehow supposedly is better than traditional investing, there are people who want to believe there's shortcuts. And what happens is you get into a dark money thing where dark money, you're putting money in, you have no idea what's going to happen with it. It's just, I'm a genius with investing. Give me your money and I'm going to make it into more money for me. I want you to be really, really fully aware when investing is traditional risk and when investing is higher risk. When you buy something that is not normally publicly traded, that means there's not normal disclosures. You don't know what's really going on behind the curtain. You will typically have higher expenses going into it And it is not liquid, meaning there's not a regular market. If I buy a stock, whatever stock, Apple, Tesla, I buy an index fund, I buy an exchange-traded fund, and I decide next week I don't want to be in it, the market has a price that's clear, and I can sell it, usually no commission. Normally, I pay no commission in, I pay no commission out, I thought it was a good idea to own this, that, or the other stock, or this, that, or the other fund, or this, that, or the other mutual fund, or exchange-traded fund, or whatever, but bam, it didn't turn out that way, so I got out, or I needed the money and didn't anticipate. I can get in, I can get out. When you get involved in these crowdfunded real estate things, the SPACs, which are now fading fortunately, from the scene, but something else will come along that will separate you from your money. When you get involved with the dark pool or a not regularly traded thing, you know, it's really, really in with a lot of the high commission brokerages and the bank-related brokerages to sell you private placements. You're going to have an opportunity to get into an investment before the public can get into it. We're making this available to you so you can be in on the ground floor of opportunity. Did you know the ground floor of opportunity in a private placement leads from there to the sub, sub, sub basement and returns? Because you pay enormous fees and commissions up front and you can't sell it when you want to sell it. The legitimate mainstream marketplace for investing is one where things have a clear value. The value is set throughout every trading day or at the end of every day. And you can buy it when you wish. You can sell it when you wish. If somebody's pitching you an investment that doesn't offer those things That is an investment that is too hot to handle and bleeds so often into where you get ripped off like has happened with people 
who put billions upon billions into SPACs and then ended up having their money vanish right before their eyes. The only thing efficient about them is the ability to separate you from your money. Krista? Okay, Jim in Florida says, I recently did a search on my home address to see what information is online. I came to find out that my neighbors are listed as current residents slash owners of my home. In the past, these neighbors used our address to get loans and credit cards. What should I do, if anything, in regards to this situation? So we're talking about, you, Jim, just gave a classic example of when you are in what is often referred to by people in um, financial security as synthetic identity theft. Someone is not actually using your identity, but they're using aspects of your life as a way to establish themselves to obtain credit or other things that they would not on their own be able to qualify for. So these people are engaging, obviously, in fraudulent activity at some level. You're fully aware (laughs) that these neighbors are listing your address to apply for credit cards, things like that. So uh, what you want to do is you want to pull a copy of your three credit reports. They're available to you free. Uh, Equifax, TransUnion, and Experian at annualcreditreport.com. You can see all three of them. Print them out and see if there's stuff that is not yours appearing on your credit report where you are what's known as a married file with these neighbors. In the event that anything is showing up of these neighbors as if it is your credit, you then dispute those items with the one, two, or three credit bureaus that are showing it. The good news is you already know that these neighbors have done some shady stuff. And I want you to set up a Credit Karma account so that you can regularly monitor your credit on a daily basis. don't need to check it daily, but they'll monitor for you. You can see it at any time. And then if you haven't done so, you and every member of your household needs to freeze your credit files. Very easy to do. I've got a simple step-by-step guide at clark.com slash credit freeze. Robin in Florida says, is it worth it to pay for a platinum Amex if we travel out of the country once a year? Once a year would be iffy. Uh, If you travel in addition to that once a year international, you travel, I'd say six or more times in a year domestic. You could make the $695 annual fee worth paying. The alternative for somebody who travels infrequently but does include an international trip is the one that many experts think is the best premium travel card in America, the Capital One Venture X card. It's a $395 or $99, something like that, annual fee. But you get $300 back from them for the first $300 in travel each year. You book through their travel portal using their card. So it has a net annual fee cost of $95, but has a long list of benefits even work for an infrequent traveler. The Platinum American Express really works for somebody who travels 
quite a bit more frequently than you are, particularly people who like really plush premium travel like the front of an airplane. And we have reviews of all those cards written by Nick Cole, who was on yesterday with us on Clark.com. So he goes through all the benefits and I think it's great content. Caden in Texas says, hi, I'm 22. I just graduated and I have $10,000 in student debt. I plan on paying that debt in full in the next six months. After paying that down, I won't have much in savings, but I can begin to rebuild my wealth debt free. My employer is in in big tech and they offer an ESPP and the enrollment period is ending soon. Should I enroll in it and wait the six months to sell my company stock at a gain? Or should I use that extra liquidity I would keep with my paycheck to pay off that debt much sooner than six months from now in three-ish months? All right. First of all, uh, you're in a hurry in life and I love it. I also love that you're graduating with only $10,000 in student loan debt. $10,000 would not hurt you in life at all for having received your degree. You work in tech. The job prospects in tech over your life cycle are going to be great. Tech is a very volatile sector. I would feel fine with you taking longer to pay off the $10,000 than rushing it and getting it paid off in three months and participating in the employee stock purchase plan. Know this, that in the tech field, It's so volatile that you could end up underwater in the employee stock purchase plan. You may not make money on it, but it's all part of how the tech field works. If a technology company is doing really well, you can end up making a lot more from the stock you are eligible for than making from your paycheck. So if you do go in the field, it's part of it. It makes you part employee, part entrepreneur. And I'd love for you to participate in the ESPP. And in addition to that, you are obviously somebody who's got great attitudes about money. I want you to participate in that employer's 401k plan as a Roth 401k participant. Or if they don't make you eligible for that, I want you participating in your own Roth IRA, which is a great way for you to Put money aside at 22 years old, and the compounding that money will have over the decades, unbelievable. And in a Roth version of either a 401k or an IRA, the money grows tax-free and is spent tax-free way down the line. So that is great, great, great news. Now, you're obviously very careful with your money, so you would never waste a penny on streaming services that cost too much. And right now, all of them seem to want to grab more money from our wallets. We're going to talk about that. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Party's over. Man, these big entertainment companies were dumber than dumb for the last 10 or so years. They were giving away the store to us, giving us video content 
way below their cost of producing it. And finally, it seems like all at once, like there was a herd mentality to try to grab as much market share as they could for these last 10 years. And now it's like all at once, they're like, this is really dumb. We're losing all this money. And so they're all changing the rules and raising the prices on us and changing how things work. Now, the Netflix thing, Netflix gave us plenty of warning that they were going to mess with us. Netflix, which really popularized streaming, I would say more than anybody else, Netflix, for much of its history, said two things. Hey, the more the merrier, share your account with your family and friends. And you know what else they said? They said they would never, this is why you should never say never, and I say it a lot. Anyway, you should never, ever have to watch an ad when you're watching a stream, and Netflix will never have ads. Both those things are like, what? We said that? We didn't say those things, did we? So now Netflix is going to household restrictions meaning that the address that you're at, the IP address you're at, that's where you can watch it. Somebody else wants to watch it, they're going to have to pay. So you can add on in certain conditions, you can add on another person to your Netflix plan who is not under your roof for eight a month. Otherwise, you got to cut them loose. In addition, people who get Netflix indirectly, T-Mobile is an example where T-Mobile pays for people's Netflix. People are having all kinds of problems right now, reportedly, with Netflix who get it through T-Mobile, through their T-Mobile service. It's not just them. You got all kinds of turmoil going on. Comcast and Disney are in a Donnybrook fight about Hulu because somehow, someway, they thought it was a good idea to have more than one owner of the service, each with different interests. They're fighting it out. And, you know, when they're done fighting, you and I are the ones that are going to get bloody. Disney itself just raised the cost of Disney+. And so what I ask you to do is sit down with your bills, wherever you bill your streaming services, whether they're streaming on this particular credit card or this checking account, or maybe you have the Tower of Babel going. You got this one billing on this card. You got this one billing on this other. You got this third one billing somewhere else. Once you sit down and see what you got and then think through, are you using these services? If you're not really using them a lot, get rid of them. If you're using them very little, you can go from a higher tier to a lower tier that has horror of horror ads. Now, I can tell you, my family's very frustrated with me because I'm downgrading service by service. If they want to keep it, I'm downgrading. If they offer an ad tier, I'm downgrading to it. Because you can run these bills up to where they would even be more expensive than it was in the big bad era of the cable bundle. And so, It's really one of those things you can sit back and take it and throw money out the door or you can 
attack the problem. Now, let me tell you, you know how I check my bills every month, Krista? Yes. Okay. So there's a streaming service that Lane wanted for a while. There was some show she was watching. She discontinues it, right? Okay. So I go and I sign into the account and it shows it's discontinued. Why did I sign into the old account? Because I looked on my credit card bill last night and there was a bill for this for $8.99 for the month. And I'm looking at the account and it says, I don't have an active account. And then there's the bill for $8.99. And later today, I'm going to call and say, why am I getting this bill for $8.99? Are you sure like maybe there wasn't another temporary account set up under a different, because that's happened to me. My husband set up like different accounts under his email. You think one of my try. kids did that? Well, I don't know. Just somebody, I don't know. I'm just saying, like, sometimes they'll use a different email address for a trial period. Well, I'm going to find out. I, okay. I didn't think that one of my kids would be doing this to me. No, I don't think one of your kids probably did. I don't know. Or if I don't know. Lane that's, used that's her email address. $108 a year. Okay. I'm going to stay out of that. I just... $108 a year going down the toilet. But I'm going to get to the bottom of it, do something about it. But on Clark.com, we have a tool you can use to figure out how to most efficiently use your streaming dollars. My favorite that I've been talking about for the last two years is more and more content is available on free streaming services that are ad supported. And that to me, I know it goes back to the olden days where uh, video content was supported by ads, but if money's tight in your life, just put up with the ads and eliminate the streaming bills. And we can help you do that at Clark.com. Okay. Charlie in Oregon says, I so enjoy your podcast. My question is, how are you going to watch NFL for less than $249 this year? And on top of that, pay the monthly YouTube fee. So we already are on YouTube TV and I've already paid the early fee, the $249, because that's the early special to get the NFL. I mean, my goodness. For me living without the NFL, what what would my life be worth at that point? I'm I just am obsessed with NFL football. A lot of people pay that. I mean, I'm not saying that's not a lot of money. It's a lot of but money. But you could pay that for a ticket to a game, but you get the oh, whole season. Oh, easily pay that for a ticket to a game. But the season is um 18 weeks long with the buys. And so I'm paying what am I paying? $15 a week for it? It's a lot of money. But it gives you great joy. It's the only time I watch television. Well, there you go. That's why you're going through your bills and the NFL. All. But uh, if you don't have YouTube TV, then you pay 100 bucks more for the NFL for the season. It's a lot of money. The alternative that I was, I really was thinking about this when, AT&T got out of this business and Google bought it. I was thinking, you know, can I just live with what's available on broadcast? And I made the decision for this year, this kind of like the experimental year, I'm going to do it this next year. And then I'm really going to think about maybe, well, the experiment would be the following year going without NFL Sunday ticket. Are there any like student programs if someone's a student or anything to get a discount? I don't know. Uh, AT&T did that when they owned NFL Sunday ticket rights. 
I don't know if there's a student plan from Google for NFL Sunday ticket. Okay. Well, we'll find out. And if we find that, we'll put it on Clark.com. Andrew in Massachusetts says, thank you for everything you and your team do for consumers. Our property taxes recently increased, and as a result, the escrow account fell short. My lender sent me an email letting me know what the shortage was and offered the option of paying it in full now or having the amount absorbed over the monthly payments for the next year. What's the best option to choose in this situation? Keep in mind we can afford to pay this lump sum now if it were to be the best option. You know, it's really... You're in a situation that the catch-up on escrow is not going to harm you. You have the financial resources. So really, it's just a matter of what's easier for you. You could pay them the lump sum and know going forward, you're going to have a higher monthly escrow just because of the fact that the taxes have gone up. Or you can just pay the higher amount for the next year, and then it'll go down some after you've done the catch-up. This one is one that's just, you pick them because you're not in the situation I usually deal with, which is somebody gets re-escrowed and they can't come up with the money. So count yourself among the lucky ones that you're in this position and be prepared. If home values have gone up significantly where you live, be prepared that your escrow is going to be, when it's analyzed, it's going to be short you're going to get hit with a catch-up year to catch the escrow up because as the home values rise in much of the country, it then resets your property tax rate and it's going to be uh, like a blindsided hit. So if you know that your home value has gone up a lot, be prepared that you're going to have to come up with extra escrow money. Nilda in Florida says, hi, Clark, is CIT Bank legit? I saw online that they have a 4.85% on savings accounts. Great. Yeah, CIT is, what they are is they're a consumer lender. They do personal loans as one of their main businesses. And they raise funds by having an FDIC-insured bank operation. Having your money in a savings account with CIT, just like any of the other online banks you'll find, on our list at Clark.com or the list at Bankrate.com of the best savings rates in the country. And you should feel absolutely fine, sleep well at night, and earn more money in that CIT savings account that you're looking at. And I hope that you have an absolutely great day. You heard example after example in today's podcast and the questions asked about why our mission is to save more, spend less, and I want you to always avoid getting ripped off. Have a great day.